A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I hope you're well. It's Gareth O'Callaghan here, and uh, I'll be looking after the show today and tomorrow. PJ's taking an extended weekend, and as he mentioned yesterday, he's doing some DIY in the back garden, which I don't believe for a minute. But I would imagine he's sitting out having his coffee now, so enjoy the break and uh, enjoy the sunshine. We're here with you through till midday, as you've heard the numbers there. The WhatsApp number 0833 96 96 96, if you would like to get in contact. Now, it's a beautiful morning. Similar to the morning when I sat here in February, a lot has happened since then. Um, To be perfectly honest with you, no beating around the bush. I'm very lucky to be alive. Uh, I came within a hair's breadth of not being. And um, I know I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when I was talking to PJ that uh, if it hadn't been for the emergency services and for all of the staff at CUH and indeed at South Infirmary, um, I think things could have been a whole lot worse. But uh, I'm learning to walk again at the moment. I feel like a one-year-old when I'm out in the back garden the last couple of days without crutches and without the frame. Um, Sort of a giddy giddy kind of falling around feeling but it's 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 coming together it's going to take a little while longer and i think with that in mind we're coming into a long beautiful sunny bank holiday weekend and uh, a lot of you are going to be on the road i'll be on the road too uh and it's going to be the warmest sunniest weekend for a june bank holiday that we've had in five years 2018 being the last one this weekend so can i just say and this this is a genuine appeal on my part please take care on the road uh wherever you're driving to or wherever you're coming from there's no hurry uh if you think you'll get there 20 minutes early or 20 minutes faster it may just be that you'll get 20 minutes extra in a hospital mortuary and you don't want that believe me um also, if you've got, you know, children in the car, be, be aware of that. Be conscious of that. Keep your distance. All the simple rules, but they're the rules that save lives. And uh, I can only hope, and I, it's a genuine hope on my part, that uh, we will all be here on Tuesday morning safe and sound and that there will be no casualties and no fatalities on the roads over the weekend. So... We're open for business and it's lovely to be here and I'm looking out at beautiful sunshine across the city of Cork and uh, and I know that a lot of people heading both east and west and there's lots of festivals and lots of music weekends going on in many locations. We've got the big marathon, of course, on Sunday, the Cork City Marathon. We'll talk about that a little later. But if you'd like to get in touch with us, 0833 96 96 96 is the text or WhatsApp number. Now, as you may have heard PJ mention yesterday, um, Al Pacino 
is to become a father again at the age of 83. Um, now, obviously, I'm not feeling in any way like Al Pacino must be feeling these days. But he and his 29-year-old partner are expecting their first child together. The Godfather actor is already dad to three adult children. Uh, earlier this month, Robert De Niro revealed he'd become a dad again at the age of 79. Uh, the news is causing quite a stir, as you can imagine. Uh, in relation to this particular lady, um, she's a, she's an interesting lady indeed. Uh, she tends to hang out a lot with the very, very wealthy, uh, mostly dating very rich older men, they say about this lady. Al Fala is her name, and uh, she is Al Pacino's long-time partner now for quite a while. So uh, I'm curious to know, what what do you think? What do you think about the age gap? And this is something that always gives rise to great conversation down through the years, particularly here in Ireland. I think we tend to look very traditionally at what is the ideal age gap. I remember somebody saying to me, it's about four, five years. That's about max. Anything longer, eyebrows tend to be raised. But then... You know, you get to a guy who's 83 and his partner is 29 years of age. So that kind of draws a few deep breaths and uh, a few raised eyebrows. Trisha uh, is is on the line right now. Uh, morning, Trisha. Good morning. Now, it doesn't sit well with you, does it? It doesn't. You know, when when I was reading it, I was thinking, it's like me going out with my neighbour across the road. He's in his, he's, he's 89. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, they live in a different world in Hollywood, don't they? And you're right about her type. I read about that. Clint Eastwood, apparently, and Mick Jagger. Yeah. She likes the older guy. And, but she's not a money person. She's, she's, she's from money herself. So mm. it's not gold digging. Um, and according to the paper this morning, she's wanted a child for years. So, I'm not judging now. I've changed my mind. Oh, you've changed I've, your mind. <laughs> I've changed my mind. I've okay. changed my mind, especially after your intro. You know, it is like seize the day, you know. Yeah. Live and let live, you know. enjoy. Well, you can enjoy the weather, we can't. But, um, yeah. 54 good, years good so and I even though it's, it's a 54 year age gap I mean it wouldn't happen in our ordinary lives would mm. it? but in Hollywood famous type of thing that's oh well you know get on with it <laughs> they, they, they do things differently don't they yeah what do you, what yeah. do you think is the, the perfect age gap or does an age gap really matter? Oh, I'd I, I'd say four five. Four, yeah, yeah, four, that's, four, that's, five, four that's kind five of the traditional, years, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm only saying that because that's the difference between me and my husband. So right. I've got to go with that one. Yeah. Well, my wife's actually 15 years younger than me, which is why I but, tend to smile a lot. Yeah, oh God, yeah, but you wouldn't have dated in school, would you? No. <laughs> See, that's the that's the thing, isn't that's it? That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. She probably would have been a first year and you would have been, oh no, you would have left secondary school, yeah. wouldn't you? I would have been in jail. <laughs> yeah, she was a first year. Yeah. She's, she's mid she's mid 40s school. now. I'm I'm mid 40s. <laughs> and I'm early 60s and uh, we're we're very very happy. 
Good, good. Mm. <laughs> do, 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 do you... Do you think younger women are tired of younger blokes? Because, you know, younger blokes tend not to have, say, the level of, of wisdom and hindsight and maturity of the older man. Would you agree with that? I'm, I'm stumped. When do older men get wisdom and maturity? <laughs> <laughs> I've got one in his 50s here and he still acts like he's 15. <laughs> Okay, okay, and, and you don't want to name him, obviously. Yeah, his name's Donald. Donald. Donald, yeah. Yeah, okay, and I know you're listening, you listen in the UK to the show every morning, which is wonderful. So, and what, Wait, just as, how did you, the two, how did the two of you meet? Oh, um, at my friend is married to his brother, and it was her birthday, and we met them. Right. Okay, so yeah. it, was, it was through a friend. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, I wasn't, you know, when you're not looking, it yeah. happens, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, well, that's that is the way, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I'm I'm just I'm curious about like what do you think about having a baby at the age of eighty three? Like after all, it is a fifty four year age gap. Is that unfair on the I, child? I, 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 well, he's not going to be. Well, who knows? He might be around. He might be around when the kid's 21st birthday party. Mm -hmm. well, but it doesn't, their life is different, isn't it? Because it's not, they probably have like a wet nurse and a nanny and, mm. you know, someone to put the child's sock drop. So ring for someone to put the sock on, you know. They're not running around like us, you know, still in your pyjamas at nine o'clock, you know. Right. And, and do you think... You know, for someone who is so young, 29 years of age, would, do you think she'd have a lot in common with an 83-year-old? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, not at all. I've, when we, I, I, you wouldn't, would you? We've got different life experiences. Like you said, she's got, she hasn't got a life experience. She's only 29. She mm. hasn't lived and seen what he has seen. I mean, you you referenced The Godfather. I mean, she probably wasn't even thought of. Was her parent alive when that film first came out? <laughs> That's a good point. That was 1972. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, 51 years yeah. ago. There you go. You see, <laughs> were they still alive? Were they yeah. around? I mean, she probably seen The Devil's Advocate, but um, I don't know. He's he's going oh. to be 104 at the child's oh, 21st. Oh, my days. <laughs> um, I've got Shirley also on the line. Hi, Shirley. Morning, Gareth. How are you? I'm fine. I'm, I'm just curious to hear what you think about this relationship. Uh, look, I mean, I think it's, it's like age gap relationships are nothing new in Hollywood. And I think each to their own in terms of what you consider to be an acceptable or an unacceptable age gap. Like, who are we to be judging what anyone does in their lives? And mm. I suppose, you know, there's been a lot of controversy lately about Leonardo DiCaprio only dating women under the age of 28 or, you know, women young who weren't born when Titanic came out. And there is this perception in Hollywood that all age gap relationships can be problematic or exploitative. But, you know, as Trish was saying there, like Hollywood is a very insulated bubble and they live in a very different environment. And what we might consider to be controversial is not controversial in their circles. So, look, I mean, 
leave him off. He's 83 years of age. I think, to be fair, fair play to him because the act of conceiving a child would kill the average 83-year-old man. Never mind. <laughs> you know, he must have some superhuman power himself. And Robert De Niro are out here doing the Lord's work. I Wasn't it Harrison Ford and Callista Flockhart? This uh, is it. Yeah, yeah and look the, at Catherine Cisha Jones and Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah. It, this is nothing new. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's interesting because I mean Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, apart from being great friends in real life, you know, whenever Martin Scorsese comes up with a great film, they're inevitably back. The Irishman, um, Heat from nineteen ninety five. That's actually the number one movie on Netflix at the moment. It's 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 streaming again, and they're they're colossal adventure movies. These guys are very very fit when they <clears throat> need to be. Yeah, so there you go. Like you know. Live and let live. Is 83 too old to be having a baby? I think, you know, we'd be very naive to assume that he's going to be a very hands-on dad. And as long as, you know, as long as his partner has room with the boot of the car for a zimmer frame and a buggy, happy day. <laughs> That's true, yeah. That's true. I love it. And she sounds like she will be a very considerate partner as well, looking after both uh, a baby and her husband or her partner. Mm-hmm. Who'll, be, who'll be more <laughs> troublesome, do you think? I don't know, I'd say you could, I'd say Al Pacino's quite a, a, you know, an interesting character to be around and he's got, he's got form for age gap relationships. In fact, like, he has ended relationships in the past because the age gap was a huge issue and they, the age gaps weren't as significant as the one he's in, in a relationship with now, you know, so look, time will tell. I don't think, you know, I think you have to take all of this with, you know, a bit tongue in cheek and a bit pinch of salt and, and, and leave them off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good point. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Shirley. Thanks. Uh, Tricia, um, have a lovely weekend. You too. You too. And just finally, since you were first to talk this morning, would you like to have the final say? No, I totally agree. Live and let live. But it's Hollywood, isn't it? it? It's Hollywood. And they live in... Planet Hollywood, isn't it? It's Planet yeah. Hollywood. It's right. not real life. It's that Technicolor yeah. bubble, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Have One a lovely day. weekend. Yeah. All right, you too. Take Thank care. you, Tricia. Thank you, uh, and thanks to Shirley. Um, if you'd like to comment, 083-396-9696. Oh, it's Gareth O'Callaghan here for PJ, who's uh, away for the weekend and enjoying the break. And we'll be here with you today and tomorrow. Thank you so much. Lots of lovely comments coming in. Uh, so many of you delighted to hear me back on the radio. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> I'm very delighted to be back on the radio. Thank you. Um, if you'd like to give us a shout, 083-396-9696. Now, some important traffic information, um, and I'll remind you of this again a little later. Cork Primary School's Sports, Thursday, June 1st at MTU. That's today. It starts at 10am until 5. Over 5,000 young people from 300 Cork Primary Schools participating. So we can expect heavy traffic on all approach routes from very early morning. And please avoid the area if possible. That's MTU. And um, there's plenty of Gardaí and Stewarts just... uh, policing the area so please cooperate with their instructions and park only in designated areas uh, and thank you to Gerard Omoraku for that we'll remind you of it again a little later now I know this is a it's kind of a thorn in the side for a lot of people particularly the price of hotels and accommodation particularly 
at peak times around Ireland lately. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we were we were away in Skibbereen for a couple of days there. I, I don't mind mentioning it's the beautiful West Cork Hotel, looking beautiful and uh, a gorgeous location. Now, we paid for it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I was delighted to be able to get away for a couple of days, Paula and myself. Um, and we just felt, having booked it quite a while back, it seems to be the way to do it. And um, Now, obviously, many of you might disagree with me, but we got a pretty good bargain for a midweek break two nights and uh, breakfast included but Katie uh, drops a line this morning she says Gareth it's not just in Ireland we're being ripped off I was pricing a holiday in Wales recently for myself and the family in Clandudno in North Wales uh, three star hotels close to the beach two adults and two kids seven nights at the start of August so have a guess what do you think one hotel Okay, now this is a three-star hotel close to the beach, two adults, two kids, seven nights at the start of August. One hotel is €3,825, 3825. And another hotel which has the beach in sight is €5,837, 5837. So I would imagine that you could get a beautiful family hotel, all-inclusive in Torremolinas or Fungarola along the Costa del Sol for, I'd say, half that price for a week in August if you'd already booked. So if you've come across a couple of prices abroad, um, and obviously we know the situation here, many hotels trying to make up for lost time during COVID and obviously what's been happening um, in the last 18 months or so. But if you've been abroad and you've been quite shocked and surprised by the price of hotels and the price of living there for the week you're away on holidays, let us know. 0833 96 96 96. Now, the price of fuel. You thought we were getting away with it. PJ mentioned it yesterday. Uh, Unfortunately, there was a jump in the cost of petrol and diesel from midnight last night. If you noticed a few of the queues, that was because people were trying to pack as much as they could into the tank before the prices went up. Petrol rose by six cents per litre while diesel went up by five cents. The government last year cut the excise duty on fuel as prices shot up following the outbreak of war in Ukraine. Uh, you probably remember looking at the signs. I remember on the South Douglas Road looking at a couple of the petrol station signs. Um, we were way above the two, uh, the two euro mark at one stage for a litre of petrol. Uh, up to yesterday, it was probably around about 145, 150. Well, uh, Geraldine Herbert is motoring editor for the Sunday Independent. Geraldine, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, you say that the prices are going to continue going up at the pump. Uh, this is a kind of a backup on a phased basis. This is where they, they really want all of this money back, don't they? Yeah, and they're getting it. So they've set out a plan. And I suppose the, the good there's kind of two bits of good news, if you can even say that. One is prices are relatively stable at the moment. They're certainly back sort of, uh, you know, we, we haven't seen anything like this in a long time. So that, that's the bit of good news, I suppose. Now is the time to increase uh, petrol if, if we have to. Um, the other thing is, yeah, they decided they'd have a staggered approach because it would actually put about 10 euros on the average fill of car, um, fill for a tank um, for most cars if they rolled the whole lot back in the in one go. So thankfully that's not happening. So the first um, introduction was today, as you said. Again, on the 1st of September, we'll see another increase. At that point, petrol will go up by 7 cent, diesel will go up again by another 5 cent. And finally, on the 31st of October, 8 cent will be put on a litre of petrol and 6 cent on diesel. And that will be the full cut restored. 
Did they do this, just, I'm thinking to myself, with a bank holiday weekend starting today, pretty much, is that why they did it last night? I don't know, to be honest, why they decided on these dates more than anything. Um, in terms of petrol, June the 1st is quite um, significant. We have what's known as a winter blend of fuel and a summer blend, and the summer blend comes in, is legally has to be in by the 1st of June. So unless that influenced them as well, like it's kind of a key date for filling stations. But anyway, this is the date they've chosen. I'm sure there was a lot of people, like you said, filled last night because thought that you know they thought they're not going to get caught out with this. But a lot of people will, will notice a, 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 you know the increase this morning. It won't be reflected, of course, in all filling stations. Some filling stations should have old stocks and they should be selling it at the old price. But you can guarantee the busier stations will have the price reflected this morning. And that's up to each individual station, that discretion as to whether they'll up the price or keep it at the same price. Yeah, it depends on the stocks more than anything. Once they get a new fill of stock from if after midnight last night, it will have that new excise rate in it. Obviously, if they have old stocks, it's up to them whether they sell it on at the old rate or not. I'm sure, I'm hopefully that most will. But as I said, a busy filling station probably got a delivery this morning, so they're going to pass on that new excise rate. So yesterday, passing one of the Circle K garages here in the city, it was around about 145 diesel per litre. What are we looking at then, say, September, October? Yeah, you see, it's very hard to predict because obviously excise is per litre, so it doesn't change with the price. Now, at the moment, according to pumps.ie yesterday, petrol was anything from about 153 to 155 a litre, depending, of course, where in the country you were buying it. And diesel was actually 142 to 144. Now, you're saying 145. Again, it really does depend. So, you know, if prices were to say stable, then we'd be looking at what, 170 something for petrol and 160 something, the late 60s for diesel. But we don't know what happens during the summer. Petrol prices are always quite volatile. They could go up. They're unlikely to come down because, as I said, we're seeing the lowest now we've seen for quite a long time. But let's hope nothing happens that could send them spiralling. And as I said, they're always really hard to predict. Yeah. While, while I have you there, Geraldine, car rental prices, have they come down? It's funny you should say that. I was only doing some research on this the other day. And from what I can gather, they're, they're, they're not, they're lower than they were last year, but I, I don't see that they're below sort of pre-pandemic prices. So they're better. We're not hearing those terrible stories. Do you remember we heard last year of, you know, 15,000 for three days, yeah. these mad quotes that people were getting? Certainly not on that sort of a scale, but they're nowhere near where they were, um, you know, 2019 sort of prices. And I think that's reflected in the car market. There's still a delay with new cars and new cars have gone up and secondhand cars have gone up and that's been reflected in those prices. So you're certainly not going to get a bargain with uh, car rental at the moment. Mm. And once again, while I have you, are young people still getting crazy quotes for their insurance, especially young male drivers for, for car insurance? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the, the bit of good news, I mean, when I was learning to drive, you just took it that the first two years was going to be incredibly expensive and and you know, you just accepted that and then your insurance came down. I think insurance has changed slightly. People don't see the reductions every year, even the more mature drivers. They don't see those great reductions they used to see year on year. So I think older people are probably paying more for insurance than they used to, but younger people are still being hit. The only thing is there are ways around it now. And I spoke to somebody recently who got one of these, you know, these black boxes, the telematics, yes. where they monitor your driving and they actually reward you for staying within the speed limit. They reward you if, you know, you, you, you approach corners smoothly and you don't have any harsh acceptance 
acceleration and those sort of things. So there's a lot of options like that out there for young drivers. And I was actually quite surprised at how cheap they could get them if they're prepared to do that. And it really is a good idea because those first two years on the road are your most riskiest. It's when you're likely to have your an accident. And it's, you know, it's the time really where you make kind of long term driving habits. So I, I would definitely advise any young person out there looking for insurance, definitely consider one of those telematic systems. And can you just request it? No, there's certain um, insurance companies that actually offer them as a package for young drivers. There's a few out there, so definitely have a look out. And there, you know, that's that's the package they offer. So if you take on the insurance, you take on the telematic system. And it's, it, it, I mean, it does, you you can save quite considerably on, on the, the insurance year to year, can't you? You can because they literally monitor your driving constantly. So it's like having a driving instructor with you the whole time. But as I said, it's a, it's really good training. It focuses the mind and it just makes you form good habits when you're driving. And finally, and if it saves you money, yeah. it's worth it. Oh, it is, yeah. I agree with you. What about electric cars? They're extortionately priced at the moment and there's no incentive to go electric until the prices come down. Would you agree? Um, I think there's a lot of very expensive electric cars, but there are some good, well, I, ne- I never say the word cheap, but definitely better priced ones. The Chinese car companies that are coming in at the moment, we saw MG last year and they had a car. They have a four-door um uh, sorry, a five-door hatchback. It does over 400 kilometres and it's priced at 29000 So, I mean, that's not a bad price. Now, I know all new cars are expensive. So, when you quote any price for a new car, it's going to be expensive. But I don't think that's bad. BYD, a very big Chinese company, have just come into the market with a car. Again, it's sort of mid to late 30s, the prices. And um, there was another one, or a Funky Cat, it's a great name. They have, again, another mid-30s price. So, we are seeing cheaper cars come in. The problem is there's still a lot of very expensive ones. And look, you know, new cars are expensive and electric cars are still that, you know, bit more expensive than their petrol or diesel equivalents. And is it the future, do you think, of transport or, or will, will we eventually just resurrect the old diesel car again? No, I think diesel is gone. Whether hydrogen or whether whether electric electric cars is the future, I think it's definitely the future for this decade. Hydrogen cars may make an appearance next year or, cert- or next decade or certainly for, you know, for trucks and stuff like that. Um but it, it's always hard to see with, with transport. I mean, we're constantly evolving, but I definitely think in terms of sort of 2030, 2035, it's electric, definitely. Okay, Geraldine, lovely to talk to you. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you. And you. That's Geraldine Herbert there, motoring editor for the Sunday Independent. Our number for your texts and WhatsApp messages, 0833 96 for PJ, who's away for the weekend. Now, all week on Corks 96, we're giving you the chance to win tickets to see the Frames live at the Marquee this Friday. And uh, tickets on sale from ticketmaster.ie and all we need you to do is to text frames and your details your name and your location to 083 396 96 96 and we've got pairs of tickets to give away all week to the frames live at the marquee friday june 2nd okay that's tomorrow so text frames and your details to 0833 96 96 96. Thank you for joining us this morning. PJ's away. It's Gareth O'Callaghan here today and tomorrow and lovely to be here. Michael Moriarty says, welcome to the hot seat. Great you're back in action again after that most unfortunate accident. And uh, best wishes and have a safe and enjoyable weekend. You're fortunate. You have excellent support there. I surely do. I couldn't do without it. And uh, also a special hello to Avian Scully from Gwail Skull Carrigaline running at this Cork City Sports today from Mum and Dad and her sister Cara. And uh, Avian probably doesn't remember it, but I remember playing a special request for her 
the day she was born um, a few years back. So good luck today. And lots of lovely messages. Hello to everybody listening in in the South Infirmary which feels like my second home. Uh, lovely to hear from you, Hannah. Thank you uh, for looking after me and for looking after everybody there so well. Now, Sandra's looking for your help after an incident she had recently on our roads. Good morning to you, Sandra. Hi, good morning, and thanks for having me on. Nice to talk to you. Uh, Sandra, you yeah. you run Harry Henry Therapeutic Riding and Care Farm, don't you? That's right, yeah, over in Bahalilikinia Bantry, yeah. Yeah, gorgeous location. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> now, you, you're looking for help. Can you tell me what happened? Well, it was a very unfortunate incident. It left me a bit shaken, but uh, luckily nothing serious happened and we are okay. So what happened, I have um, a young horse in training I take out onto the road just our local road here, just just near the that runs alongside here, uh, um, uh, near our farm, and uh, we were riding along the road yesterday morning, and uh, she's a very good horse. I must say, you know, she couldn't have been better, good as gold. There was a van approaching from the back uh, when we were riding home. Um, I heard the van, so I was on the left side of the road already with a horse. So we tried to pull in a bit more and the van was approaching at quite a speed and uh, they didn't leave us enough time. It's a very narrow road, you know, really for cars to pass on this road, they'd have to slow down really. So anyway, so the van banged into the horse with the ring mirror and... They slowed down, they kind of came to a halt, uh, but they didn't really, the driver didn't get out or roll down the window or anything, and then eventually he just he just drove off. So, I, of course, I was quite uh, 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 shocked at this time, so I didn't get the number plates fully. So um, I did ask the guards for help, who were really, really good. You know, mm. big shout out to Bantry Carter Station. They were really helpful trying to track down the driver. But uh, um, yeah, it's just very tricky if you only have part number plate. And it was a professional van. So I know that much. It had something security, something written on it. So, And it was just one of those incidents of dangerous driving. It was just inappropriate speed he was driving. He didn't give us enough time to pull in. Um, and my horse was so good, she didn't even, she didn't kick out. She didn't run off. You know, she was as shocked as I am, I think. Was she, um, was she injured, Sandra? Yeah. Luckily not. Luckily, you know, she's a tough, big uh, Irish draft horse, as, as 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 sturdy as they come. So the wing mirror, it was a modern car, so the wing mirror kind of, I heard it slip, you know, I could see when he had driven past us, it had kind of folded back in. Luckily, if it had been a solid wing mirror, it would have been a different idea. If it had broken or something, she could have been cut. So, no, the horse is fine, luckily, yeah. Um, just to try and tie tie down the, the, the area, was that the N71? Was it the main road to, to Glen Gareth or to Bat between? No, no. no? I, I think I wouldn't ride on that one anymore. It's no. just gone too big. No, crazy, so it was yeah. our little road. I looked it up. It's uh, The name of the road is the L4721. Yeah. It's the road 
that cuts when you come from Kale Kale and travel towards Bantry, you come to a place called Pearson's Bridge and you turn left there and that's our little back road and it brings you through it's kind of a shortcut onto the N71 uh, into Bantry then so that's the road where, where we live on so um, it's uh, signposted from Daniel coming out of Bantry so people would know it really um, it's, it's a road you have to drive slowly on and I suppose I was really I was um, really happy to hear that you would have me on your show just to yeah. I suppose to emphasize it's not just riders and horses I mean especially us lot but it could be anybody it could be a parent with a pram it could be uh, somebody on a bicycle or somebody running you know people just have to drive slowly on these little back yeah. roads because you never know what's around the next bend. The the L, by the way, and you know, it's it's amazing the number of motorists who wouldn't be familiar with. L stands for local, and then um, yeah. R stands for regional, and then you're up to national, and then yeah. you're on to motorways. But if it, if it was a yeah. local road, it it would be very narrow. Oh, it would be, and I yeah. mean they have a sign up saying 80 is the speed limit but you know you have to adjust that to what you find in front of you so our road wouldn't be for driving maximum speed 80 kilometers an hour it's just common sense you know you can't see around the next bend you know if you meet a car coming towards you around a bend you have to be able to slow down on time and i wasn't even straight after bend luckily you know it would have mm. been a different story again it was a bit further on so he could see me i had the high vis gear on the horse is big you know i mean i was visible i was on the left tucked in already but he i, I don't know i don't know i mean he just didn't realize, you know, or he, I don't know. Mm. I, mean, I mean, sometimes, gosh, people are on the phone or looking the other yeah. way or something. I just don't know how somebody could speed past a horse. And just saying, you know, I mean, it's bad enough to speed past somebody on the ground with our own two feet. But if mm. somebody's sitting on a horse, you know, a horse can jump in an instant, can yeah. jump up to three feet sideways. And that might not even be the car. You know, like I said, my horse was really really good she's a young horse i mean she was she really proved you know mm. quality of character she was really good she didn't spook or anything but sometimes horses can spook at something completely different maybe a little bird in the hedge or something they hear you know that isn't related to traffic at all so just for drivers of cars to be or vans or lorries or anything faster than walking speed to be aware of that you know that horses are their own you know they have their own mind mm. and and riders can train horses really well and my horse is i mean really advanced in her training now she's really good on the road but still they're independent living thinking beings mm. so you know I can control a horse and train the horse. Still, something might happen and she might react to it that I just at that moment can't control. Um, so, and if a horse is really trained, that might be only a minor little kind of spook or yeah. startle or something. But um, you still have to be aware as a driver. And the best approach is really approach riders really, really slowly, slow right down. And usually us as riders, we will help you how what's the best way to pass us we will signal you and say look 
just stop, let me pull in, or no, it's fine to pass. Right. You know, we give you hand signals usually, you know, yeah. and just to wait for that. Um, can, can can I just let us? Yeah, I'm just. Let Let's just try and tie it down a little more. What time of the day was this, Sandra? Oh, um, it was yesterday morning. Yeah. I chose the time because I thought the the road would be quiet. Okay. I wouldn't choose, you know, like um, a school run time or something. So it was around 10.30 in the morning and I was traveling from Pierce's Bridge back to my home farm here. And the band was coming up from behind, uh, traveling in the direction of Bantry. Mm-hmm. Um, so the number plate as far as I got in my shocked state was 142D. Yeah. That's as far as I got. I, but you know, when you have the horse and you hold the reins, sure. uh, it, it, it wasn't time to pull out my phone, put in the pin and take a picture, you know. So, yes. um, unfortunately, it had some sort of logo. I thought it was something like GLS, G, GSS or something security. I'm not 100% sure, you know, and when you look back and I tried to look up the company, I thought, gosh, was it really that? It had some sort of of logo with two triangles, I think, in blue and red or something on the side of the van as well. It was a white van, nice and, you know, tidy looking van, small, kind of smallest type delivery van there is. So, I mean, not delivery, it was a security van, but you know what I mean. like that. So a white security van, 142D were the first four digits of the registration. And you'd think uh, it was G, possibly something, something, and you'd think there were two triangles on the side of the van. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 And this was in the, yeah. ba- the Ballylicky area, wasn't it? Exactly. So yes. it looked like, I mean, traveling down that road, it looked like he was on the way to Bantry Town or anywhere in that okay. area. So if anybody's dealing with a security company that maybe did a house call or business call yesterday morning, you might even... You know, now I think, oh gosh, yeah, that was yeah. the band that was calling to us. <laughs> you know, well, I, I th- would really yeah. appreciate. I, I really think th- there's enough information there to pretty much identify the the, the van itself. So th- that's a great help. Yeah. Um, can I ask you about the horses uh, th- that you have there? Um, these horses are they're, they they have a they have a therapeutic nature about them, don't they? Particularly for young children. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, our horses horses are brilliant and they are my work partners in the work I do. So I do therapeutic riding and also kind of uh, horse care sessions for people who might have additional challenges or needs or disability. A lot of children with autism would attend my service and the horses are extremely calm and um, I train them to be really calm, be used to all sorts of situations um, and just be, you know, considerate and aware so that they can help a child or an adult to calm down and have a really nice safe time you know they wouldn't be kind of horses who are kind of jittery and ready to run you know mm. so um and, and and you can bring that out in any horse with particular training and they really take to the job as well that's the interesting thing you know that they really kind of grow into their job to the challenge of providing that calmness because they can be so they can help people to calm down and kind of um, settle in themselves and then you know when somebody gets calmer 
it gives them an opportunity to build on their self-esteem and on, on any other skills, you know. So, um, and that's what we do really most of the time. And uh, yesterday morning, I was training a young horse who hopefully one day will join our workforce and will be a therapy horse. She has a maybe a year more or so of training to do. You know, it takes quite a while to train a horse up to that level where they're really working with me to help children and adults. So it's great work and, and it's great to see how 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 effective it is really. And you know, I'm in, in this line of work now for ten years and but I, I'm still amazed at the effects every day the effects horses have on people. So it's, it's it reminds me of the horse whisperer. Yeah, it's it's a bit down that line. You know, you mm. really kind of can tune in with the horse and the horse gives back, you know, horses. I mean, that's the amazing thing about it. Horses are flight animals. Mm. They want to run away when they're scared, when they're not sure of something. But then you can train them if you join them up with you and say, look, I'm your co-worker. You're safe with me. You have lots, lots and lots to give to people. Mm -hmm. Then they're more than happy to join up and say, yeah, I'll do it. I don't need to run. Actually, I feel safe enough to give. And, and you know, what they give is unconditional. So they don't look at what sort of person they are, what age, what size, what, what cultural background, what needs. It doesn't matter to them. You know, horses just see the person in front of them and they, they work with us. Uh, you know, they, they are, they're the best ones for equality you know, yes. and, and treating everybody the same, you know. And, and finally, um, are, are you very busy, Sandra? Is the therapy riding school very busy? Busy enough these days, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And what helped, you know, we did a big fundraiser there last year uh, and we were able to build a little barn so we can work in, uh, independent from weather. Um, so whether it's too bright and hot outside or whether it's lashing rain outside, so we can provide a service all day, every day. And uh, yeah, it's going well. We, we're gearing up now for our summer programs. We do camps and uh, school programs. We, we provide the summer provision programs through the Department of Education. So lots to look forward to for summer. And uh, it's great to provide that service. And uh, I'll be forever grateful to the community who helped mm-hmm. me build that barn. Can I, can I give so you, can I give your phone number? Can I give out your phone number, please? Because there's a little, there's quite a oh, bit of sure. interest here. It's, it's 087 938 9867-087-938-9867. Sandra, lovely to talk yes. to you. And thankfully, you and the horse are well and uh, there were no major injuries, thankfully. So lovely to talk to you this thankfully, morning. Thankfully, absolutely. Yeah. Have a great Thank you weekend. very much. Thank you. Thanks yeah, so you much. You too. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Our number is 0833-969696. So PJ's away doing a spot of DIY over the weekend. Um, I believe him. And it's Gareth O'Callaghan here with you today and tomorrow. And lovely to be here on the Opinion Line and to be back with Cork's 96 FM 0833-969696. A little bit of travel news. Traffic lights on McCroom to Cork. Road. There's a hold up there of at least 10 minutes going on. Thank you for that text. And also Cork Primary School's Sports Day, Thursday, June 1st, that's today, is taking place at MTU. Starts at 10am and it'll run till 5. Now over 5,000 young people from 300 Cork Primary Schools participating. So you can expect heavy traffic on all approach routes from early morning and avoid the area if possible. Uh, Please cooperate with the Gardaí and there are plenty of stewards 
today. Uh, looking after your parking arrangements and you need to park only in the designated areas. Thank you for that. Now, Mayfield Community School have teamed up with John Sisk and Son, probably one of the greatest well-known business uh, building companies and contractors uh, that we know, certainly my generation. And they're offering students the opportunity to pursue apprentice careers. I don't know whether you're old enough to remember the old tech days, but school principal Kieran Golden revealed that an agreement has been reached to provide two students with a defined career pathway with a proven construction company on an annual basis, which is fantastic news and Kieran, who's Mayfield Community School principal joins me now good morning to you Kieran. good morning Gareth this is great news because I remember um, and I'm not sure whether you remember but I remember that tech back in the 70s when I did my it, my intercert and my leaving cert tech was regarded as the place you went if you weren't sort of academically performing that well and that was where you did your trade uh, but now I think certainly in the last 10 years it's the way to go to have a trade because these are the guys and the women who are in constant demand isn't that the case? Gareth, it's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful news for us in Mayfield Community School. We're absolutely delighted. And in, in some ways, you mentioned the 70s there, Gareth. Our school was built in 1973 by SISC builders. So for, for in some ways, it's, it's full circle for us. Wow. And uh, we met with, with Marcus Kern. He's one of the directors with SISC. He approached us. He liked what we were doing in the school. And to be honest with you, the further the conversation went on, I was saying, is this really happening? This is a wonderful opportunity for our students. And I guess, Gareth, just to give you a sense of what we're looking at, right, SISC have agreed with the students in Mayfield Community School to offer two places every year on the carpentry and joinery apprenticeship to offer further apprenticeship in quantity surveying and every year to offer two places as direct entry path to John Sisk for direct employment. And when the students are working with them, uh, they will also support them to get further qualifications. And in terms of the apprenticeship, Scarrets, the nice thing about it is it, it, it'll provide great pathways for them. It'll offer them hands-on experience uh, with Sisk. And the beauty of it is they're earning and they're learning at the same time. So when they're working with CISC there, not only are they improving their employability and their qualifications, they're also, they're also getting paid and they're benefiting from really hands-on experience with a very, very reputable, well-established construction company like CISC. So we're, it's, it's, it's breaking news for us and we announced it at a rewards night in early May and we've had quite a number of parents and quite a number of students saying to us that they're really, really interested in this. And you know, Gareth, that three most important factors in learning in any school, motivation, motivation, motivation. That's so true. And when you've got that, that's great motivation. So stay with us in Mayfield Community School, work with us, and we're offering you real live pathways. And that's a big word now, isn't it? Pathways to further employment, further education, with a really reputable company. We're, we're absolutely delighted with it, Gareth. I, I, isn't it very coincidental that, that it was CISC that actually built the, the, the school? 
Isn't it just, and I, I think as their commitment to our school as well, they've always sponsored our annual award for our top students in construction, in leaving cert. And as a further commitment to our school, not only not only are they offering direct employment now to students of Mayfield Community School, not only are they offering apprenticeships to our students in Mayfield Community School, but they're going further down the road in terms of pathways. They're going right back to transition year. And to our students in transition year in Mayfield, they're going to offer six students a week's work placement again every year in one of their plants here in Cork. And they're also going to, if, if you're familiar with construction sites and that, guys, mm-hmm. to go onto a construction site and to go work in a construction site, you have to have a safe pass. Yeah. And a safe pass could cost you between 120, 130 euro. And again, CISC have agreed to annually sponsor, to cover the costs of those fees for 10 of our students every year. So we're absolutely delighted. So we're now starting with students in transition year. There's a pathway there for them. It's giving them options. That's the beauty of this. It's giving them options. And um, it's, 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 it's a wonderful opportunity. And we're, we're, we're absolutely delighted to, to, to enter into this agreement with, with, with CIS contractors. It, 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 it's, it's great for our students. It's win-win, isn't it? Because I, I, I've often thought of students who undertake things like tech drawing and, and the, the hands-on stuff, like woodwork in school. They, they, they move on, they do the leaving cert, but then really... Uh, they're left wondering, well, what do I do with the qualifications that I have? Whereas you're you're turning theory into reality while they're still at college. Absolutely. So there you go. So now what we have now is we've defined pathways for our students. And the beauty of this is that one of our Leaving Cert students will be will be taking up that opportunity with an apprenticeship with CISC. So that's one of our role models. So our students can see, well, that boy got an opportunity, that boy got an apprenticeship and he will continue with. And the thing about the, I mean, I have to applaud the, I have to applaud the commitment of CIS contractors. Like when they take on our students, I suppose our duty of care continues. It actually continues after our students leave, leave us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we like meeting our former students. So th- with, with the CISC agreement, we're calling it the CISC agreement, they, 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 they've agreed to cover the costs. Gareth, this is incredible. They, they, they're covering the costs of the apprentice to go to the training centre in Dublin. So they will cover their travelling costs while they're a first-year apprenticeship. And they'll go further than that. Not only will they cover the costs of their of their travel costs to get to Dublin, they'll all they'll also cover their accommodation. So it's it's and they will directly pay for the lodgings of students who are past pupils of ours. And not only that, they'll also cover the costs of their dinners and their food. And these are all little things, Gareth, mm. but they matter. Oh, and they matter so. and they're much they're very, very much appreciated. So it's 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 been a very exciting few weeks in our school, as you can imagine. And it's it's been it's it's been a great news story. And um our board of management is fully behind it. And uh, you know, we're very grateful to Marcus Kern as a director in in in, in CISC. And um we look forward to many, many years of of of, of you know our students uh, engaging with a very, as I say, reputable and established company in our country. Kieran, tell me about the competitive side to this because it will be very, very competitive in the college, won't it, in, in school? Well, it, there's, where, where I would say that is it's a motivation factor. Yeah. You know, it's a factor in all that. I'm in fourth year, I'm in fifth year, I'm thinking about this because sometimes, Gareth, sometimes 
students come back to us and they tell us that they have an apprentice or they had an apprenticeship or they have an offer of work and there's a little man at the back of your head saying I hope this is legit and I hope it's good for the student whereas with this we know that it's it's a very reputable company and it's a very it's a company that they work very well with and I think as, as well as that it's 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 an opportunity for our students to see you know to see the chance to get to so I see that as a as a very positive thing you know and the beauty of it Gareth is the kind of dynamic that we have with CISC is that it's not only in carpentry and joinery but they're also offering quantity surveying and they also have sister companies as well in the whole electrical areas as well so there's there's lots of places and there's lots of opportunities for our students and I mean the, the opportunities are endless really as you say it's not just a pathway to successfully achieving your your dreams but this could take you anywhere all over the world couldn't it isn't that the beauty of it, Gareth? Yeah. You know, like that, that, that we have the best people av- available. And it's a, it can be a very lucrative, lucrative career. And dare I say it, life-changing for some people. And you know it, and you know it, and I know it. How many of us pick up the phone and we're looking for electricians or carpenters or plumbers? And I suppose the broader sense of apprenticeships now is that, I suppose, and I, we probably are on the same profile Garth, you mentioned 70s there. I'm a 60s, 70s child as well. Like my sense of apprenticeships way back then was it was very, you know, the trades we call them. Yeah. You know, it was just it was just uh, a carpentry and electricians and plumbers and so on. The whole concept of apprenticeship now has broadened. Like you have over 20 plus areas now ranging from agricultural, electrical, property, insurance, logistics. It's a huge area, you know. Mm. And I think it's recognizing as well that our students need different avenues and different options and different pathways post school and the beauty of this and the beauty of our agreement with CISC is that we've somebody looking out for our students we still, we still call them our students but we've somebody looking out for them when they're in that placement and we'll certainly keep a close eye on this one because it's 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 a wonderful opportunity for us Gareth in, in, in Mayfield Community School and we're delighted to be part of it and you know what thank you for, for contacting us this morning Gareth because it's a good news story yeah. and it's nice to hear good news stories on a sunny morning now you have it now you have it Kieran. when is it Thank you, when, when is it going to start? It's with effect from now. It's yeah. with effect from the current leaving starts. So we had we had two two colleagues from friends of ours from CISC from Dublin came down come came down last week, and uh, they met with 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 some of our students. And letters have been in the post, and people have been offered placements. So we're absolutely delighted. It's with effect from the leaving starts. Who'll be starting their their leaving start? And we wish and I'll, I'll take the opportunity to wish all the students in Mayfield Community School the very best in their leaving start next Wednesday. And I'll take the opportunity to wish all the students all over the city and county and all your listeners, sons and daughters, the very best in their leaving start as well. Yeah, there's nothing harder than sitting out in the back garden on a day like today studying for your leaving start, isn't that true? And Gareth as 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 typical the sun is shining around this time <laughs> yeah. of the year you could barely you could nearly set the clock to it and we wish them the very best yeah. so the, the the agreement we made mayfield community school and 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 sisk uh, is with effect from immediate so we're talking about this year's leaving starts and and on into Great. the future it's a wonderful yeah. agreement you, it's a fantastic I'll, I'll, agreement. I'll leave, we're delighted when we're delighted too and it is as you say it, it it's it's such a good news story on a day like today and do you know i I always remember a friend of mine, he's retired now, but uh, he did a trade, he went to tech back in the 1970s and he became an electrician and he had always had his mind set on studying medicine. Of course, it was well beyond his reach in terms of getting to college. But one thing he always reminds me of, he says, during his years as an electrician, even doctors need electricians. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we will always need, we will always need uh, people to do all of these very important jobs for us. Yeah. And as I say, it's, it, it was a great day for us when we sat down and had that cup of coffee and walked away from the table having discussed it with Marcus Kern from, from John Sisk Limited and you know, the contractors. We were pinching ourselves, Gareth, to actually hear what we were hearing, and uh, it's 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 such, and it's not it's not just it, it's okay. It's current Mayfield Community School students, but it's also former Mayfield Community students as well. So I have a sense that my my phone might be hopping in the next I few days so, yeah. looking for former students, and yeah. let's do it. Let's look after them. Yeah. Our former students as well, if they're interested in talking to us, our our doors are open. So you know, it's it's it was a great day. It was a great day for our school community fantastic Kieran um, enjoy the break that's coming up I'm sure you've got a couple of very busy weeks ahead of you there but it's great to talk to you and I think this is a trendsetter I think you might be setting something that will just continue to roll with many construction companies who knows and wouldn't it be wonderful to yeah. see to see more of it? And in fairness to Sisk, they've 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 dipped their toe into the water, and uh, I know that many many other schools have been asking around how we manage to do this. And um, you know, I think it's a very good way of of companies investing back into the communities of which they are a part of. And um, you know, again, you know, we're very grateful to Sisk and Limited, and we look forward to uh, great days ahead with them. Great. Great to talk to you, Kieran. Have a good weekend. Thanks a lot. Garth, thank you and you too. Take, Take care. care. Thank, thank you. you. That's Kieran Golden there, Principal at Mayfield Community School, uh, talking about a wonderful story. Um, talk about a good news story. John Sisk and Sona Green to take on two new apprentices. It gets even better, actually, uh, because they have also committed to providing transition year students, 10 of them with safe pass training, um, and they'll take on up to six TY students as part of their student placement program. It's a wonderful program, and uh, you know, it, it just leads to so many great opportunities in the times ahead. And if you're a former student from Mayfield, I suggest you pick up the phone and ring them right now. PJ is away for the weekend. It's Gareth O'Callaghan with you on the opinion line here on Corks 96 FM today and tomorrow. And lovely to hear from so many of you on this beautiful, beautiful sunny morning, the 1st of June, 083 396 96 96. Great talking to the principal of Mayfield Community School, Kieran Golden. Um, you can actually, if you could bottle his enthusiasm, that's what we need. And Kieran, you remind me of the fantastic principal I had when I, um, I was in secondary school back in the 1970s. And uh, he was a very, very, mu- very much a very loved man indeed. No doubt like yourself. Thank you for that. Now, um, I can't remember who it was who said it. But they said that there's never a good time to talk about dying. And, you know, maybe when you look out the window on a beautiful morning like this, you think, I don't want to think too much about that sort of thing. Let's push it out for a rainy day. But people um, all over the place, all over the world, are taking charge of organizing their own funerals. So how would you like to plan your own funeral? My farewell wishes... A new Irish-owned funeral planning business has commenced nationwide operations with the support of over 40 of the country's top funeral directors, many of whom are based in Cork City and County. And when you look at the size of the county, you can understand why. My Farewell Wishes helps people to decide in advance, obviously, how they would like their funeral to run and allows them to consider important issues and different issues, but also issues uh, such as cost and venue. Now, I've got the former, uh, the founder, should I say, uh, of of uh, My Farewell Wishes on the phone, Col- Colm Kieran. Morning to Colm. 
Morning, Gareth. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's Good. it's it's a subject nobody wants to talk about. But if if there's one thing that we all have in common, and you know the old phrase that it's paying taxes and dying, um, and it, <laughs> and flat roofs will leak. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And no electrician can help you with this one. That's for sure. So, like, where did the idea come from? So uh, I'm a funeral director myself based in Kings Court in County Cavan and there would have been a, a service provider similar to this who looked after the payment end of things but they were UK based so when Brexit came along they decided to pull out of the country it was too much hassle and there was a gap there that a lot of funeral directors who I was working with and for said okay what are we going to do now so I decided two years ago to, to design and launch this business but we've put a different emphasis on the pre-planning end of things the UK model is very much all about prepayment and making payments and it's all about cost we want to bring the conversation a little bit earlier in the first instance to help people decide first of all what it is that they want and what it's all about is giving people a voice in the conversation that happens after they pass away. I, as a funeral director, would see all the time people sitting down with us as a family making arrangements. And the one voice that's missing from that conversation is the person themselves in most cases. So our idea is let people decide first what it is that they want, get it written down, and then share it with their loved ones. And that's the key message that we have to put out there. Why are we all so afraid of death? Well, it's funny. Uh, not all of us are. You you find, and in our business, we deal with a lot of people in their sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties. And this generation, probably given the fact that they've they've seen a lot, they've been through a lot, they've attended a lot of funerals, they've lost a lot of loved ones, are actually fairly good at talking about it. But where they struggle is when they're trying to speak with their family members, younger family members, who just don't want to have that conversation, who don't want to think about the day maybe when they're not around. Whereas we find people who are closer to that age are much more open to speaking about it. And again, what our business does, our service that we provide through local funeral directors, we provide the tools to have these conversations with. Uh, younger family members. I think it's fair to say not too long ago that organising a funeral was something that you had very little to do with yourself. It was organised in conjunction with uh, church recommendations that, in other words, you were given a small booklet, you were told you can take readings from this, you can you can have these particular hymns, um, you can't sing popular music that's not regarded as hymnal music uh, at Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. At the funeral itself. But all of that is changing now, isn't it? It is. And we're seeing much more of a, a trend towards uh, non-religious funerals. Um, and also funerals where there's a combination of both. And again, people don't realise what their options are. Like I had a lady sitting in front of me this week who didn't realise that she could have her ashes buried with her husband in her husband's plot. She just assumed that she couldn't do that, that she'd have to scatter them somewhere. So it's only by having these conversations that you realise what the options are. Again, when it comes to to civil feelings, like we've had a, a local person as well here who only when she sat down on our forums realised all the options that she had. And now she has chosen to have her ashes scattered on a family farm over bluebells while there's a particular song being played. And she said, I didn't realise I could do that. And she said it was, it was tough to go through these questions, but I could tell from her when she had finished with our service that she was much more relieved and she had peace of mind knowing that these things were going to be looked after when the time came. I, I think th- there's nothing more joyful when you're at a funeral service to hear the congregation breaking into laughter at, at, at the end of a funny story. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and again, that's where, let's say, a ceremony that can take place. And you're starting to see now, like, I, I, I live very close to a, a wedding, a very famous wedding venue here called Canberra Castle Hotel. Mm-hmm. And probably a lot of your your listeners may have been at a wedding there over the years. They're now building a purpose-built civil wedding venue that's also going to be available for civil funerals, where people can come and tell those stories, have a civil celebrant there, intertwine all the pieces of somebody's life into a 30-minute, 40-minute ceremony where you can have somebody stand up in the crowd and say, I, I have this memory. And they can be the most poignant, joyful celebrations of life, much different than maybe what we're used to. But again, if people want a traditional, it's still very important that they can have that as well. And that's where you can take control by having these conversations now with family members and saying, this is what I want, not what you want, this is what I want, and this is the way it's going to be. Right. Tell me, tell me about this unique record of wishes form. Yes, yeah, so we have, and this this is the key part of our service. So we have a form that we've designed and we put it out to loads of people within our local community over the last few years. And when you work in, you work in radio for decades at this stage, Gareth, and I've been listening to you for years, I'm sure there are technical jargon that you use with sound engineers and people and researchers that you and I, on, or people on the street like myself wouldn't understand. And we're the same in funerals. That we talk about things that, like, for example, a double grave as opposed to a single grave. People don't know what that means. So what we've done with our Record of Wishes form is that we've brought people simply through all the steps and all the options that they should be making when making funeral arrangements. And we've provided glossary in that that explains in simple language what their options are. So when somebody fills that out, 
they can do it with their local funeral director. We have five or six funeral directors now in Cork and, and within the on the outskirts of the city and, and beyond where people can go in and get their record of wishes, bring it home with them, write it down. And what we do through the local funeral director then is we send out a certificate of their wishes. We send it to the funeral director. We send it to them. And the most important person we send it to is the person they've nominated as their representative. So when that time comes, they take that certificate, they travel to the local funeral director and say, listen, these are the wishes of this person. And then it gets carried out. Mm. Where where will this... Where will this go in the future? Because I, I, we're breaking away from tradition here, particularly, as you mentioned, with um, non-religious funerals, humanist funerals, um, where people really want to celebrate the individual's life rather than uh, coming together to mourn. They want it to be a happy day. They want it to be an uplifting day. Well, there's a few things that's going to impact on the way that Irish people do funerals. First of all is the availability of clergy is going to cause a, a very, very, um, very large impact on when we can have funerals. Mm. Uh, we're used to having a three and four day funeral. I can see it already. That's extending out to five and six days and beyond because priests simply are not available or clergy in general. So what you could see is a time when, okay, a funeral might happen fairly immediately. It could be a cremation. And then what people might do instead still have a religious element in is have a month's memory mass at a time that suits them and their family. Or the trend in the States is much more towards having, okay, the, the immediate funeral fairly soon after somebody has died, but then having a venue to book whether it be a funeral home or a hotel venue, to have a celebration of life ceremony. And in those types of ceremonies, in, in definitely in the United States, it's done by invitation, mm -hmm. where family, families decide what they want, whether it be food, uh, music, live music, uh, photos on the wall, uh, digital imagery, all, all these different things that when people come to an event like that, that it's very much a celebration, an uplifting, a way to remember the person who's passed away. And it can take a bit of time to do that properly. And that's why in the States, it's three to four weeks and they'll have a ceremony like that after a funeral. And can anyone preside over a funeral? Let's say, obviously, a, a non-religious funeral. Can there be an independent Yeah, person? so it's very, very, very similar to... Um, the service providers who are out there for civil weddings typically dovetail that then would also looking after civil funerals. And although there, there's a legal requirement in terms of getting married and have somebody who can actually do the, the, the official vows and mm -hmm. so on and have it registered, with a funeral, that's not in place. But it's more about competency. So what you're looking at is having a celebrant who's actually good at designing a service around your life or the, the life of your loved one who's able to design it and then deliver it and do it in such a way that that reflects the person has done well and i think more than anything else it's wonderful to be able to look back and say just to, to remember how much you contributed to you know those those final days that you know the the part of what you did lives on with the memory of that individual Exactly. And it's a very, very relevant point. Like a lot of times people will come up to a funeral director at the end or you'll hear conversations and they'll say things like, God, didn't we? She got a good send off today. And I think that's that's very that's ingrained Irish way of doing 
funerals for generations that we feel it's the last thing we can do for a loved one is to do that well and therefore to to design a, a service or a ceremony that's in line with somebody's wishes i think is one of the best ways that we can do it in a way that they can say well yes we not only give them a good send-off but we did it based on the way that they wanted to do it as well what's the website address so it's myfarewellwishes.ie you can mm-hmm. get in contact with us there uh, we find a lot of people are actually more comfortable getting in touch by text or email or messenger just to break the ice initially we can put them then in touch with our local funeral director who provides a service or if they don't provide the service we can still send our certificate of wishes to their chosen funeral director and that's what's very important here is that it's the people within communities it's the service providers like ourselves here in King's Court who people want to use so we're doing this very much in partnership with your local funeral director and in consultation with them that you know that it's being carried out by somebody who you trust in your local area as well okay Colm it's been great talking to you this morning um thanks for joining us thanks Garrett good to talk to you you too thank you Colm Kieran there founder of uh, at my farewell wishes that address by the way the website my farewell wishes the service is currently available at 57 different locations around the country and lots of Cork funeral directors have signed up to it too. Now, just coming up to uh, 20 minutes to 11, some of your messages in relation to Al Pacino. Uh, in case you haven't heard, Al Pacino at the age of 83 is about to become a dad again. His 29-year-old partner is due to have uh, a baby. Uh, Eugene says, I feel that it's very wrong to be having sex with someone younger than one of your children. Pat says the baby will be changing his nappy in a few years. He'll be 90 in a few years' time. Best of luck to them both. In relation to the rise in petrol prices, as you know, petrol went up 6p, uh, 6 cent. 6p. Oh, 6 cent last night at midnight and 5 cent for diesel. Tom says the way the filling stations put up the prices annoys people because in many cases the fuel was bought at the old price but retailed at the new price. I think there should be some dye additive when there's a big price increase like this and you would know if it was the new fuel it would be a bit like the way uh, they do farmer's diesel I don't, I don't think I've ever seen fuel going into the car all I know is once the old pump goes in that's it and then uh, it fills uh, the, the Green Party do people realise that if this small island in the Atlantic Ocean went 100% green it wouldn't make one difference to the environment uh, the Green Party should go and live in China, USA, Russia etc and pre there, that's from Kieran. That was in relation to an item um, that PJ raised yesterday. And uh, Paul says, uh, in relation to funerals and uh, in relation to planning your funeral differently, a dear friend of ours passed away some years ago. Uh, he was an atrocious golfer, but he was a lifelong member at our local golf club. And despite his bad golfing, his request was that the ashes would be. Uh, distributed on the 18th green but in true keeping with his golf style the ashes blew into the bunker it's Gareth O'Callaghan here on Cork's 96 FM on the opinion 9083 396 96 96 an email from Gavin he says Gareth it's so good to hear you talking about funerals Irish people are so afraid to discuss anything that makes them feel uncomfortable I want a massive party at my funeral no tears allowed I want a huge gathering of my nearest and dearest loads of free flowing champagne bands on stage playing my favourite tune 
iTunes, a massive buffet of my favourite foods, and no one is allowed to stop partying until at least 6am the next morning. Now, that's a proper send-off. Great show from Gavin. Thank you, Gavin. Yeah, I I want something similar, but I still can't help feeling I'm going to miss it. I don't know whether you feel that way. Let me know how you would like to be dispatched, okay? Uh, Whether you have any beliefs in anything beyond this, whether you're hoping St. Peter will eventually call your name and maybe bump you up to the front of the queue. Uh, Let me know, have you any mad ideas for a send-off? Is it going to be a party? Is it going to be a a murder mystery? What's it going to be? Let us know, 0833 96 96 96. Can I just, uh, a very quick request, uh, say hello and get well soon to KC, who has been on for the last few days. Uh, He's not too well, but I I get the feeling he might be listening in this morning. Lots of sunshine if you can take it, buddy, and uh, get well soon. And hopefully we'll we'll have you back on Tuesday morning. Now, a Cork-based death doula. We're going to talk more about death. A doula, D-O-U-L-A, has opened up about how people are contacting her to plan their own funerals in a bid to face their own crippling mortality issues, a topic we're coming back to again. Sarah Horgan was writing about this in The Echo recently. And Stephanie Bleck, a death doula, is on the phone right now. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Gareth. Now, tell me a little bit about this, because doula is a very old Greek word, um, it usually related to women and very closely related to midwives and birth support partners down through the years. Isn't that the case? Yeah, yeah. So it is that kind of aspect of of a midwife and as similar as we might know it through like the birth doula, so at the beginning of life um supporting the birthing process supporting the family um it's it's very similar to the the death doulas which are just basically at the end of the journey in relation to how different cultures and different nationalities say farewell to their loved ones where are we in relation to that are we still a very very traditionally custom abiding nation I think it's quite mixed. Like I think, especially um, like in big cities, there's so much variety of like people with so many different belief systems. I think a lot of the the customs has have changed, and yet there is, I think, still a lot of tradition and how um, the whole process is held, like the wake and maybe specific songs. So I think it is it is very an interesting mix that you can you can see in Ireland. Um, why can I, can I ask you in relation to these crippling mortality issues uh, a, a term that's quite familiar in psychology circles would be the death anxiety which a lot of psychologists think we carry with us from a very early age as soon as we reach that consciousness age where we're aware that we're mortal that we will eventually someday die why are we afraid of dying and in being that afraid why are we afraid to talk about it hmm. I think it's yeah it's a really big question and I think it has been around and looked at at so many angles throughout the years um, I think it's a lot to do with uh, we're naturally as human beings um, we're drawn to to life to explore to grow that's kind of a natural process and I think being also in a society maybe that 
where that is enhanced, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think often it is, I would see it more as um, we, we are afraid of the things we love and that we feel connected to, that we know they will change and we have to say goodbye to them. And we don't really know maybe what comes next. So I often, for me, it feels often more as a fear of um, knowing that whatever is familiar and close, uh, which we relate to, which we identify with, is going to is going to change. Um, yeah. And I think up up to now, certainly, or up to recently, there were very few professions that would talk to you about prospect of death you know i mean the medical profession would have a specific view in it although that's changing i see in a recent survey nearly 70 percent of doctors now believe that there is something beyond this life Uh, so can you tell me how did your journey to become a death doula begin because it's it's a very unusual choice um yeah it kind of began with um with my uncle my uncle got um got cancer he had um, pancreas cancer and my mother who at that time was very close to him um she looked after him and um he first wanted to die um at home but he um that wasn't possible anymore so uh he went into a hospice and i was still quite young at that time but i i remember my mom coming back and just telling me about you know what a hospice is and what care has been offered. And I was just very touched by it. And I knew that I wanted to go into um, social work and something like that. So when I then decided to to study, um, it kind of came up again and again that I would love to maybe work with that aspect um, because I think it's it's very meaningful. And I think having had that experience of what it, what it can mean and how it can be for a person um, who was very dear to me at that time, my uncle. Um, yeah, just made a made a big, put a big importance. And when people and so, come, when people come to talk to you about death, what aspect of death do they want to talk about? Do they want to share with you? Um, it is quite varied. Like some people just actually feel so happy to be actually just able to speak with someone who is also neutral um, in a way so not not family members maybe not someone they feel like they will upset by maybe mentioning their fear because I think sometimes we you know we're trying to hold it together mm-hmm. um, so sometimes it's just general conversation about you know like what's how are you what's going on and maybe looking back helping the person to maybe look back at specific Things in their life that they find maybe difficult to um, to be with, like maybe some things that are unresolved. So that would be also something people would address me to, like maybe unresolved um, conflicts or maybe organizational things or in general, maybe just mm-hmm. being also family members being overwhelmed with, you know, what to do or... Um, and yeah. Can can have you a number or have you a website? If if someone listening this morning would like to get in contact with you. Um, yeah. So um, the website is um, stephanieblech dot com. Okay. So it's written with an F and a B L E C H. B L E C H. Yeah. And um, there's 
Um, All yeah. the information is and there. Fun. Yeah. That's great. Stephanie, lovely to talk to you. Have a nice weekend. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's bye Stephanie bye. Blech, B-L-E-C-H dot com, if you want to find out more about that. It's Gareth O'Callaghan for PJ, who at this stage should have at least four hours of DIY done in his back garden, and he'll be back with you on Tuesday. So uh, I'll be taking charge of the shop for today and tomorrow. And it's great to have your company on this beautiful 1st of June. 0833 96 96 96 is our text number or WhatsApp number for your messages this morning. Now, um, funeral party. I suppose that's the sort of image we're trying to portray this morning. Obviously, on this beautiful sunny morning, we don't want to be getting anybody down. We're talking about being dispatched from this life. Maeve heard our chat about organising your own funeral, and she has some very interesting ideas for her own dispatchment. Hi, Maeve. Hi, how are things? Things are great, and I'm alive, and you are, and it's a beautiful morning. But obviously, you have already sorted out a few things that, you, well, somebody will follow through for, for you in your absence. Um, looking ahead, hopefully far, far ahead at your own funeral, what's going to happen? Um, well, I will be wearing a pink bodycon dress. I will be wearing black wedges. Now, they say no shoes in the coffin, but I told the undertaker's. I want five-inch black wedges. Uh-huh. Strange request, he said, but look, that's what I want. And most importantly, when I'm being lowered into the ground, I want Maniac 2000 played. By Mark McCabe. Let's have a listen to what's going to happen as you're being lowered into the grave. Right. That's the one. That's the one. Give it, give it welly, Mark. I don't think I've ever, ever heard the like of it. You could be the first. You could be the very first. I'm not the first person to have she's a maniac tattooed on the back of her, on her body. <laughs> there is another girl that I know of that has it on her forearm. Right. So, right, we, we've got the kind of the drift, the style, the tempo. Maniac 2000, it's going to be played. Um, and this is as you're being buried alongside your dad. Yes. Um, actually, when my dad was being buried, he went into the ground kicking and screaming, right. as my dad would, and I actually had to put my shoe in the coffin and give him a little nudge, right, to the shock and horror of everyone around us, but dad and I seen the funny side of it. Right, okay. Um, and I'm curious, do, do, do you want to be buried with your mobile phone, or were you going to bother with anything like that? Oh no, that now will be coming with me, and my vape. Oh, your vape is coming with you, okay. And obviously your charger. I don't know where you're going to plug it in, but you've got to bring that with you as well. She would never know in the afterlife what it'll bring us. That's very true. I suppose you won't need a charger. At last, the dreaded charger Hopefully will be a thing now, of the Mark past. Hopefully now would attend as well and sing it live, but look, we can't be fussy. I thought you were going to say something else about Mark McCabe. <laughs> I don't think he'll be in the afterlife just yet, but I'm sure he'll be delighted to hear that song again. Um, and as, as far as kind of a reception goes, what will your friends and family be doing? Oh, for the reception, I would like everyone to participate in Rock the Boat. Oh, right, okay. Uh, Forest or Hughes Corporation, either or. Wow. Everybody on the floor. Maybe a little bit of YMCA as well, just like a proper 90s team disco. I love it. And a bit of sunshine as well. 
Is that right? Sorry? A bit of sunshine? No, I'm allergic to the heat. I can't stand this weather at the moment. Okay, well, I suppose it'll be quite dark eventually anyway, so... Although maybe not, as you say, you never know what's beyond. So anyway, it's no, the, it's the bit around... you never know what you're going to face. That's true. So it's the bit around, she was a sexy lady. That's your favourite bit in the song, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Okay. She had to get her thrill. <laughs> Maeve, it's lovely to talk to you, and um, hopefully we'll be talking to you again and again and again for a very long time. Thanks a lot. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Just while we're on the subject, uh, earlier in the week, we spoke to callers. PJ was speaking to callers about assisted dying, which was recently introduced in Portugal. And it prompted a call from Kevin. Kevin's on the line. Good morning to you, Kevin. Um, I'll be honest, with the funerals that you guys have been discussing this morning, uh, I want to go to Gavin's funeral. <laughs> okay. Gavin's funeral sounds like it's, the, it's definitely going to be the one to, one to go to for sure. Let me just remind Hello. everybody, this is a, a massive party that Gavin is organising. No tears allowed. A huge gathering of my nearest and dearest. Loads of free-flowing champagne. Mm-mm. Bands on yeah. the stage playing my favourite tunes. A maf- massive buffet of my favourite foods. And no one is allowed to stop partying until at least 6am the next morning. Yeah. Sounds like a good deal, doesn't it? He's actually got the right idea. But going back to what PJ was talking about in the week, and it came to me that... The only thing that any of us can ever really ask for is dignity in life and dignity in death. And assisted assisted dying gives that. And I've watched two people pass in my immediate family in the last two years. And both of them died without dignity, to be honest. My mum passed. It was really difficult for her. But my eldest daughter passed in London a couple of years ago during covid waiting for a transplant and she ended up passing with multiple organ failure and King's College in London did absolutely fantastic they did everything right they kept her alive as long as they could and in doing that she had absolutely no dignity in that whatsoever it was an excruciating process for everyone that was there to watch happen and I thought we talked about this me and her talked about this a lot that because we knew it was going to come eventually and the only thing that she ever asked for was to be able to go with dignity and at the time when, when i was living in the uk the big talk was well if that ever happens send me off to switzerland send me to dignitas mm-hmm. you know that that was a conversation <laughs> if i ever get this illness off to switzerland i go i don't want to be in a burden for anyone what and, what do you make of advanced medical directives where th- this document which you would draw up with your solicitor is then issued to a hospital or to your consultant or whoever it is that's actually looking after your welfare? I think it's definitely a, a way to, it's something that has to be looked at properly. Um, I think that you should be in control of how you go. And we've all seen people pass away that have been close to us. We've, we've all witnessed this. We all know what's co- what that is like. And it doesn't need to be as difficult as it is. Uh, it's already hard enough. And I've heard all the arguments before, like, oh, what, you know, they'll, they'll get rid of you because they want your estate. So, nonsense. Look, there's, there's safeguards in place in all the countries that have, have passed through assisted dying bills that you have to go to. It's not a case that you can rock up to a place and decide, I want to go tomorrow. It doesn't work like that. The real world, it takes months. And you're in control. You wouldn't do it to an animal. You wouldn't 
put an animal through something just so you can hold on to them a bit longer. You'd be called all sorts if you did. You know, but we will do that with people, with people that we love. And it's not fair. It's not fair on them. And I'm sure that that's not what they want. It's not, I know it's not what I want. I, I don't want to be that person where I'm being kept alive by machines or by a, extraordinary means just so other people can't let go. It's, it's not fair. And I just think it's, down, it's something that we, need, we, could, we should look at as a country. We shouldn't be ex- send, letting people go off abroad to, to die when it's something that we should facilitate for us, for us, for us, for, our, for ourselves. And it's the last shred of dignity that you have. It's the, it's the last decision that you can make for yourself is I want to go and this is how I want to go and I want, and this is what I want to happen. You should be entitled to make that decision. As long as you're of sound mind, that's a decision you should be allowed to make. And it's you, nobody should be criminalized for helping you to make that decision or helping you to facilitate your, your last wish. That, that was my thinking of what he was, what PJ was talking about the other day, and that's how I come across with it. I, I just can't see how you would, how you wouldn't deny that to somebody. Okay. Point well made, Kevin. Thanks. Nice to talk right. to you. Thank you. And you, Gareth. Take care. Thank you. Sure. Bye bye. That's Kevin there. And uh, of course, assisted dying um, is a crime uh, in this country. And uh, the debate continues and will continue, I would imagine, for a very, very long time. Now, Sheila O'Callaghan, no relation, originally from Cork, perhaps she is, travelled and worked in 70 countries before a chance encounter in her late 40s led to her becoming an in-demand fashion model at the age of 49. Now she works with an agency that has Naomi Campbell on their books. Good morning, Sheila. Hey, Gareth. Nice to speak with you. Nice to speak to you too. Before I talk about your amazing story, we are both O'Callaghan heritage. So where were, yes. your, where were your grandparents from? I'm curious to know. Well, my grandparents and my father and even my mother were all from the same locality in northwest Cork. So close to close to Kenturk, Newmarket. And then there's a small little village called Neelan. So my grandparents came from Neelan on my father's side, and my grandparents on my mother's side were from Lyre near Bantir. Wow. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, yeah all I, very local. I reckon we are somewhere down to the misty timeline over the generations. Are we related? Well, I think so. <laughs> well, there, there had to be a Mr. O'Callaghan somewhere back in wherever, the 1400s. Oh, yeah. No, we, we, had, we had castles. We weren't doing too badly back in the day. Yeah. Oh, we had castles. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I, the, as far as I know, I traced back to about 1620, and I found mm-hmm. a, a Garrett Callahan, and the reason they put G in this was the um, the the English who who just couldn't pronounce Callahan without a G, so they put a Callahan in, but it became Callaghan. But a little bit of useless uh, information. But okay, so it was so it was the English that put the G in. Yes, so I understand. Oh, but right, I'm okay. sure I'll be correct on that. I've I've been reading your story, and do you know something? I, I, I love Michael Portillo's train journeys, but I think the you have had the most incredible. 30 years, haven't you? It all started when you were 18 and you decided, right, I'm buying a one-way ticket to Paris. Paris, yeah. It was my father, actually. My father, Tom Callaghan, who has passed away 18 years ago on the 27th of January, but it was very much him who encouraged all of us to do do whatever we felt like doing. Like, we wouldn't... um, We weren't made go to university, you know, unless one of us had a calling you know, like an artist or something, you know, he would help that out. But otherwise, it would kind of find your own way. And I had an opportunity to go to Paris. And he said, go, go get a loan out of AIB and um, 
and go and watch the world and drink coffee. You know, that was his um, way of looking upon it. And I went for three months. I stayed five years. Wow. And that was the beginning of my, um, and I'd obviously traveled a lot in Europe from Paris as well. And, and then I got this sort of fantastic job that allowed me to travel the world and interview heads of state and ministers and, and uh, produce reports for top newspapers around the world and magazines. Was it just the momentum that carried you? Was it just, I'll try this, let's let's see what I can make of this? Or was it something that, at the back of your mind, you wanted to do? Because you, you've done so many things. Well, um, I think I always had this bug for travel and not to sort of settle down for the picket fence. Yeah, and I always like the idea of going forward for them. I just met a great team of people. A lot of these people that worked with me became really good friends and were at my wedding afterwards. So it was, it was work, but it was almost like a lifestyle because... It was so enjoyable. You must have met some extraordinary people. What was it like to sit with Yasser Arafat? Um, it was a funny situation because I didn't expect to see him that day. I was hoping we'd get to see him at some point, you know. We weren't really aware that we were actually going to meet with him until the last second. And suddenly we're inside this sort of doors that are opening up in front of us. And there he was sitting behind his desk. There was no time to get jittery about it. You know, you're just right mm. in front of the man. And he looks exactly as you expect to see him now you see him on TV with his fatigues and, and, and the scarf over his head there wasn't a moment to do an interview it was more of a sort of just a meeting a meeting and so I said to him I'm Irish um, President Arafat and he's like oh yes he's like the Irish and I, we, and I, I tried to say to him like you know we, we have a lot in common you know us you know, maybe with the British and, yeah. you know, you with the Israelis and, and the fight that we've had over the years and, 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 the, and the turmoil. And he's like, yes, yes, the Irish, very close relationship we have with you, very close relationship. And I realized very quickly that he was probably referring to the beef crisis, you know, and stuff in Libya and guns and beef. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> but I really didn't mean that. I meant more in general that we have a lot in common. Yeah, yeah, as a culture. I would never ask a woman her age. You're still incredibly young considering how much you have covered in 30 years since you left home in North Cork. I didn't go to university, so I, I was I was in the University of Life very quickly. Yeah. So yeah, when people say, like, you know, how much you've done and but yeah, I had a publishing company for twenty years, worked for another one for two or three and lived in Brazil for the past six years. Yeah, I'm fascinated and, um, by this because Rio, Rio, the only thing, apart from reading up on it, I think James Taylor sings a beautiful song called Only a Dream in Rio. And I close my eyes some night and I think of it and you can you can hear the birds singing and, uh, you know, that gorgeous, lush feel of, of the mountains. And you live in the hills above Rio, I believe. I live in the hills above Rio, yes. About 10 minutes, you know, if you let go of the, the brakes of the bike, you'd be down by the beach within <laughs> 10 minutes. So right. never that far, but definitely... Yeah, just full of greenery and, and um, a little bit of a breeze so you wouldn't be too hot and too humid. And um, yeah, it was a great few years and we were very much stuck there during COVID. We couldn't really leave for about almost 24 months. Mm. Um, so it became even more like home, you know. You, the idea of getting an airplane became such kind of a foreign thing. Um, Sheila, you're, you're a hugely successful international model, very much in demand. I am today, yeah. I, I was going to say I that. I discovered in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> well, what led you into that, into that business? Was it, was it just quite by chance or was it something else that you wanted Completely to do? Completely by chance. I never, I mean, I, I had done a modelling course in Cork when I was 18 before I moved to Paris. And, you know, there was not that many opportunities. And I didn't really take it that seriously. And I left to Paris and I learned French and I worked in hotels and managed um, Dior de Change for many years there and then moved to Florence for a year and then got the publishing job. And I never thought about doing modeling after that first course I did when I was like 17. And so in Brazil, this guy spots me in the market and he's like, 
you know, King Abel say, like, who are you? He's like, you know, are you a model? And I'm like, no, I'm a journalist. And he's like, he's like, you have to be a model. You know, I, I, uh, I'd love you to do my, my, um, my shoot. You know, he was a young designer. Anyway, so I did it for fun just because he was so enthusiastic. And I just thought, what have I got to lose? You know, he's nice, you know, help him out. And so we did it two weeks later. And um, the makeup artist who did my makeup posted a picture on Instagram afterwards and one of the companies that she'd worked with before saw it and suddenly my phone's ringing and they're saying like can you do our jewelry campaign and that's where it went it went it went from there yeah. and then i joined an agency and i was probably shooting three or four times a week in sao paulo so yeah very very busy as i say i'm big in brazil i'm small in europe <laughs> no one knows me in europe <laughs> i was big in brazil <laughs> and yeah. that, that physically how demanding is the work um you know, it is. It, it all looks a bit glamorous or whatever, but like yesterday morning, I, I'm here in Dublin at the moment because I flew over to do the Brown Thomas show yesterday, it's spring, summer show. Mm-hmm. So I flew to Dublin and I was up yesterday morning at 5 a.m. I had to be there at 5.30 for hair and makeup. And um, so it's quite grueling, you know, it's quite tiring if you're doing shows. You're there like six, seven hours beforehand. And even for a shoot, so I've got a shoot tomorrow where I'm in the Wicklow Mountains and I'll be up again at 6.30 for a pickup at 7.15. To, to drive down there. So if I do one or two shoots a week, I'm kind of okay with that. I don't need to do three or four, you know. It, it, is, it is tiring because mm-hmm. um, it, it's long hours. Also, I, I presume you have to watch what you eat and, and your lifestyle and that. How do you relax? I have a, uh, yoga. I do a lot of yoga. Uh, I do a lot of self-practice and I do a lot of hiking. And I've got a great dog called Panda that I adopted in Brazil. Mm-hmm. He's about two months old and now he's four and a half years. And he's my companion. At the moment, he's back in London with my, my husband, but um, he'll soon be in Ireland with us again. And so I just, I've always ate quite healthy. I suffer from psoriasis. So, you know, just eating healthy and sleeping well and not drinking too much, all of that helps my immune system. And I'm naturally tall, and, and my father was very uh, tall and slim. So it's sort of in my genes as well. But I do take care, you know. You want to be at your best. Yeah. Your, your dad was a farmer, if I'm right, isn't that right? My father was a farmer, and he was a jack of all trades. He was a farmer, but he was a Christmas tree grower as well. And mm. so he used to be known as Santa Claus of Ireland. He sold all the <laughs> trees around the country, you know, and he'd land in Northwest Cork. We found two or three caves and and, and, and spears, you know, from the Stone Age. Really, and a, a tomb like two thousand years before Jesus Christ, and a lot to see and all the rest of it. I'm thinking, Sheila, there are a lot of younger people, probably at that age when you headed for Paris who are listening to you this morning now and, and probably saying what advice would she give me now I mean I'm 61 and I still don't know what I want to do in life but I know and we've both got so so far to go but for someone who's 18 or 19 what advice would you give them I would say take chances don't always basically don't always think like what's in it for me you know, I think we plan too much. You know, if I go to this university, I get that. And if I get this degree, you have no idea what doors will open, you know, as you close one. Yeah. So I would say take chances on, 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 on things and on people as well. Go and, with your gut. But and I try travel. things. Yeah, and I think learning a foreign language is, is just a massive plus because it, it allows you to freely move in that country and it opens up other doors for you. Yeah. And it was funny, I was listening to a podcast last week. I'm not sure if you know Christy, Kirsty Young. Yes. She used to do De- Desert Island Discs. And she was actually interviewed on Desert Island Discs last Sunday. And she was brought up by one parent. And probably like myself, my mother died when I was very, very young, when I was four. 
My father had six children to bring up on his own, but he very much made us all very independent. And she got this job as a runner doing some program, you know, when she was, she learned French, she got to France and she became an au pair for a while. But her mother said, yeah, just go off, you know, go off. She never went to university. I'm not saying that everyone should not go to university, but I think, yeah, open up your, you know, just take a chance. You never know what job comes along and, um, and open up the door to something else. It's been wonderful talking to you, and I know we could spend hours chatting about everything, as you, as you call it, the University of Life. But take care, enjoy Wicklow, and hopefully the sun shines for you. Hopefully it will. Thanks very much, Gareth. Thanks, Sheila. Take care of yourself. Yep. Bye-bye. All the best. Now, it's Marathon Day on Sunday, the Cork City Marathon on Sunday. We'll be talking about it before we finish at 12, but just to give you the heads up on the weather, a few of you were just wondering what it's going to be like. It's going to be like today, except it's going to be hotter. A clear sunny start to Sunday, variable cloud possibly developing over the western half of the country later on in the day. Now, this is the one to watch out for. Uh, Hydrate, hydrate, highest temperatures 18 to 25 degrees with just light easterly or variable winds. And as I say, we'll talk more about the marathon before 12. It's Gareth O'Callaghan here for PJ. Uh, 0833 96 96 96 is our text or WhatsApp number. Now, great reaction to our feature on alternative funerals this morning. Many of you saying you're finding it uh, quite uplifting, which is wonderful. That's what we wanted to do. And it's prompted a call from Janice. Morning to you, Janice. Good morning. Now, you're a celebrant. And uh, I am. That's you're, right. You're finding that there's been a huge surge now in celebrant-led funerals. Tell me about that. Uh, there has been. I initially trained to be a wedding celebrant, and then I went on to train to be a funeral celebrant, and then a community celebrant. And I have found um, myself being contacted uh, an awful lot lately with regards to uh, celebrant-led uh, funeral because. Um, People people realise now that there are choices that is is uh, basically your day, your way, for want of a, a better way of saying it. Because the amount of times I've met people and they say, oh, if only I knew we could have had that funeral, if only I knew we could have had those songs or those poems or that little enhancement, it would have made so much of a difference to our lives. People were people are often very shocked, obviously, with a funeral and they kind of are inclined to go with the flow rather than just taking stock and saying, oh, my loved one would have loved this poem. My loved one would have loved those songs. They would have loved a little enhancement, you know, with feathers or shells, you know, just something to add that little personal touch. And there tends to be a terrible rush, doesn't there, to, to get everything organised and performed? There is. Yeah, and, you know, especially in Ireland, it's um, you go to the funeral director and often people think that they have to do the, the rosary, the removal, and then the cemetery or the crematorium, whereas you don't I mean I find myself sometimes doing ceremonies now in people's homes uh, especially um, people would ask me to on when they're closing the coffin for the last goodbye they might have a candle enhancement where you would light three candles you would have you know the light to remember the light they brought into your lives the light that they, the light of the, li- the light they brought to the love and the light they brought to everyone's family and all around them and the light to light their future journey above you know and just a poem that was meant something to them and the last goodbye you know something small personal but just just that perfect little moment you know for the family for a little goodbye or I often find myself in the crematorium and again I'd have, I'd have met the family beforehand and we'll pick out you know readings or poetry songs just that little personal element
Yeah, I, I, it sounds beautiful. I, and so beautiful, in fact, you can picture it with the candles and those symbolic ways of saying goodbye and thank you for various aspects of your life. And it's a way of celebrating that person's life. But do you, have you come across conflict between the generations where the older members of the family, parents and grandparents may want a more traditional approach? Well, you initially uh, a lot in the older generation they're they're they don't know what to expect, yeah, and they're afterwards they come up to me and they say, "I didn't realize it would be so personal, I didn't realize it would, you know it would be like this um and there you there is no problem if people want um an art to religion, there is no problem having a religious reading. It doesn't have to be you know, a completely non religious service you know it, it's it's whatever the people want, the celebrant is actually the vessel. For the ceremony, mm. you know, you can, you can, you can have, you can have religious readings. You can have little enhancements. It is just whatever you want, and the celebrant will lead the person along the path that they, you know, that they they feel the people need. And have you come across any sort of wacky song requests, like say "Can't Heat" on the road again, or? Um, well, they're not wacky. They're they're people's personal yeah. uh, personal wants. You know, it's yes, their it's their final wish. So. There's nothing. There's nothing that is too wacky. It's just a personal wish, <laughs> and some people, some people's last personal wish is to be funny to their family to get them to laugh. Yes, which I, is an amazing I, gift. I, I shouldn't have used the word wacky, but like I, I, I want to be laid out in a pirate's outfit. Is no that, bother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I'm I, sure I, I can come up. I, I'm sure I can come up with some way of. Do, do you know what we could do? Yeah. We can give everyone a shell, and they can pass. They can put a shell in a special place where they felt you would have had a connection. How's that That's for your pirate wish? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's saying, "What? Why a pirate?" Well, I think. See, I started off on pirate radio. Um, you know where you felt like you were a pirate. You know, and so anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, you did a Viking funeral. That's actually a, few a very weeks, easy one. Y- is it? I did. Yeah, that's a very easy one. Obviously, you obviously you love poetry that will reflect on will reflect on you know life on the waves and yeah. your love of freedom. You know that's that's a very easy one to do. And you can bury me with a stuffed parrot then as well. If you want to, do you know, well, again, we can bring the feathers into it. If you want, if you want to bring the feathers into it, you know? oh, yes, some, it, some people, yeah, that's right. Some people, they, some people have um, an affection for feathers. Oh, really? So I like to, yes, to do. A lot of people, a lot of people feel their loved ones uh, give them feathers as messages. And so um, one of the things I like to do at some funerals is I like to give everyone a, a, a feather, and yeah, I ask them yeah. to keep the feather. And when they they leave to when they find a special place that they think the person who has passed would have loved to blow a wish to the universe and release the feather. That's beautiful. Beautiful. And c- keeping the, pi- the pirate team in mind, I know you did a Viking funeral a few weeks back, didn't you? I did. No, I can't go into too many personal details because sure. I wouldn't like to uh, give out too many details. But um, again, there was a personal wish of a Viking funeral and the family picked out readings and poetry and it was absolutely beautiful. Wow, that's wonderful. I think it's so uplifting. I mean, not, and you know, I'm actually quite surprised we've had no texts from anybody saying um, it's a very depressing subject because it's a celebration, isn't it? It is a celebration and that's what we must remember. It's a celebration of a person's life. And again, even after the funerals, uh, so many people come back to me and there are so many different ways to, to celebrate your loved one's life. For example, a, a lot of people don't realise that you can get the ashes turned into diamonds. Wow, carbon diamonds 
Wow. You send the ashes to Switzerland and they get sent to, you get them, some people get them turned into earrings or pendants or just something that they have on the, you know, just the bedside locker. Um, a lot of people, believe it or not, put their loved one's ashes into a vinyl record of their favourite song. Wow, I didn't know that. You can get that. Yeah, you can get that. Or there's... Um, there's a company in Ireland, I think they're Emerald Ceremonies, they put the they put the ashes into fireworks and they we have a ceremony where the ashes are shot up into the sky by in a firework. And can you be launched into outer space if you have the money, obviously? I'd imagine you can do anything if you have the money. Yeah. It's an amazing way to to go, isn't it? Back to the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and what would be the what would be the ultimate song? Um, I suppose um, Major Tom to ground control. Very good. I was thinking Queen actually personally, but there you are. <laughs> oh, well, there's two of them. For, there's two of them for the ceremony. That's for sure. Um, Brilliant. Uh, Paul is wondering: um, could could somebody spread my ashes in my back garden under my favourite tree? Can you do that? Yes, you can. No bother. I get asked to do that quite a lot. Oh. Um, some people divide the ashes among different areas and some people, they just pick a, a specific area and they, they have a little ceremony and they bury them in a favourite spot. Or I did a ceremony a few months back where the people wanted the ashes sent out to sea. So you get a biodegradable pillow. So the ashes are put on the pillow and the family had a whole circle of candles lit on the beach. They had some readings and some poetry and they put the ashes on the biodegradable pillow and they sent it out to sea. My goodness. Wow. Well, I maybe... So it's whatever you can think of, you can do. Elon Musk might maybe get behind me for my venture in outer space, but it's down the road, as they say. Um, Janice, and by the way, it's Janice O'Callaghan. It's like an O'Callaghan takeover this morning. We had Sheila O'Callaghan. That's it, it is, yes. It's just it's <laughs> wonderful. Just my dreams come true. Now, your company, Bespoke Wedding Ceremonies, you're on Facebook and Instagram, aren't you? I am, yes, yes. I do weddings as well. That's great. I, have I do every celebration, actually. <laughs> Brilliant, great. Um, and I can imagine you sound wonderful for the, the, the vocation as well. Have you a busy weekend ahead or have you a, a weekend off? Uh, no, I actually have a wedding this weekend. Oh, wow. So I'll be, I'll be working this weekend. What a beautiful day for Saturday or, or Monday or Sunday? I actually have a biker a biker wedding down in the Harley Davidson uh, weekend. Oh, <laughs> so I, I I have a I have a brilliant life. <laughs> I saw them actually outside uh, big gang of them outside Jury's Hotel there um, on Albert Street this morning heading heading west. So uh, I would imagine they're they're probably going to be guests at that as well. Listen, Janice, great oh, it's to chat to you. Brilliant. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you. So there it is. Bespoke Wedding Ceremonies. Uh, She's on Facebook and Instagram as well. That's Janice O'Callaghan. Now, it's time. If you haven't already, well, you're probably not participating. If you are, you've been running and practicing for months. And uh, the big weekend is here. Cork City Marathon taking place this weekend. It's on Sunday. And uh, Marathon Director Eamon Hayes has a busy few days ahead. He has all the tips and tricks for runners, road closures, tips for staying safe in the sun, etc. Morning to you, Eamon. Morning, Gareth. How are you? I- I'm fine. This is the culmination of a year's work, I'd say, is it? Uh, definitely, yeah. The, uh, straight after la- last year's one of finished, we were thinking ahead already, you know, so, um, yeah, non-stop. Are you worried about the weather? Now, I say that because there's there's no rain due, uh, but it's got to be very, very warm. 23, 24 degrees? Um, I suppose, look, um, the weather people have different opinions on what suits them better. Um, some people like it a, a little warm. Some people would prefer if it was overcast or if, uh, some people prefer wet even, you know. So, um, personally, 
I like it when it's a when it's a little bit hot, and it's it's not going to be too warm either because um, of the early starts of the races. So the full uh, Martin is starting at a quarter past eight, you know. So you're going to get a good few hours there before it gets uh, really really hot, you know. So um, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't be concerned about it, and I would just um, I guess one of the great things really is that it has been this warm for the past two weeks, so it's like. Uh, going on holidays in Spain, you get used to that for a few days, you know. So people will have um, practice running in in this weather, and hopefully um, they'll be used to it now, you know. And with let me see, three days to go, less than three days to go. What sort of tips would you be giving out to the the participants now this morning? Yeah, I suppose it's um, it's a crucial couple of days before the race, you know, and you're kind of inclined to keep training at a kind of a hard level that you've been used to over the past um, few months, and that you know. So. Um, it's it's important to take a little bit of a step back, you know, and not not to do anything um, uh, too hard in training over the next couple of days. And eat well, uh, carbo load, and hydration is key, obviously, in this weather um, before the race. So the next couple of days, you know, drink lots, and, and it, you know, I'd, I'd be a big advocate of hydrating before a race. Uh, it's more important even than than, than hydrating during the race, you know. Uh, go into the race um, fully hydrated and then you, you don't have to drink as much uh, when you're running, you know. And when I hear loads about carbs, can you tell us what would carbs be today for someone taking part on Sunday? Yeah, you, like I suppose today's Thursday, no, right? So you, you just kind of uh, gradually increasing your carbs. But I suppose the, the, the two crucial days for carb loading would be the, would be Friday and Saturday, you know, and in, in particular Saturday, you know. So just, again, not eating huge meals, but just eating, um, you know, a bit more and uh, more often, you know. And running-wise, what would you recommend over the next couple of days? Um, do very little running, just do, do, do a small bit to keep ticking over, you know. And I think it's just... Um, the most important thing is if you can get a couple of nights good sleep, then that that that's amazing. You know that that's that's um, a crucial part. So in particular, um, Friday night, like Saturday night, you're probably going to be, um, you know, a bit nervous or whatever. But uh, Friday night sleep is 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 a real um, crucial one. So go to bed early on Friday night, be well rested, hydrate properly on on Friday and Saturday, and uh, good carbo load, and then. Um, you're flying it for the race then on, on Sunday, you know, uh, and then just um, to be careful um, when you're running Sunday not to overhydrate because that actually is, um, uh, people are ten- tend to do that in hot weather, you know, and that's more dangerous yeah. than underhydrating. So that, that's a crucial thing, you know, and, and to take gels and stuff uh, as well as uh, any water that you drink. What do you eat right before the race? A banana, maybe? Uh, um, personally, I, w- I would have, um, <laughs> might sound great now in this weather, but uh, personally, I'd have porridge, you know, a small bowl, bowl of porridge with honey in it. Um, it really depends on, on, on the individual themselves. Like a banana would be good too, yeah. But it, it's something that you would have practiced all along going to introduce something new, um, you know, the day of the race. So you should have that, that kind of practiced up until now, you know. Yeah. yeah. And after the race, Eamon, what would you recommend? Um, I suppose it depends on, on, on the person really. If, if it's, you know, a big, you know, if it's a big kind of, a, this is your big race and you're, um, you don't have another one coming up, then I would say just look, enjoy it, you know. Um, if you've got another one coming up in a few weeks or whatever like that, then it's important to get a lot of protein in then, you know. How many participants this weekend? Um, we're, we're going to hit over to over 10,000, yeah, so that's, it, wow. it, 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 it's brilliant, yeah. Um, obviously, um, race entrance, sometimes people um, don't show on the day or that, but um, race entrance are, are huge, you know, so a, a big take-up for the 10K as well, which is brilliant, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that that's been a uh, that's a massive inclusion this year. So numbers are are um, 
very big in that compared to the relay. So um, that that's a really includes more people that were being maybe um, not included up until now, you know, so it's great that uh, no more can run it. Yeah, and, and have you many people travelling, many participants from abroad? Yeah, we've got, we've got like, um, you know, I, I looked at the other day, it was like 20, 30 odd countries, you know, uh, and like when people enter in, they often give a reason, like so, um, I just saw there just um, a guy from India, he's coming over to qualify for the Boston Marathon because um, like Cork is a, is, a, is a Boston qualifier, you know, so, like it's amazing to see stuff like that that you'd have someone coming from India over to Park for the weekend um, to qualify for the Boston Marathon, you know. So it brings in, like, you can't get a hotel room in Cork at the moment. It's just chock a block. So yeah. such a huge event. Uh, it's so good for the city and so good for the people in the city, really, you know. And how many people viewing, like, how many spectators did you get every year? Um, I, I saw an, uh, someone do an equation there one time that you could get a, a roughly around eight, eight people for... Um, um, Per participant, you know, like you know, people there that, that, that won't have people involved. They just come out. So it's about eight times more. So if that if that's true, then um, you're looking at as potentially eight times the ten ten thousand. You know. Wow! Wow! Um, obviously, for spectators, uh, parking arrangements, street closures. Can you give us a very brief rundown on the main street closures? Yeah. So I suppose like the. The crucial thing for people there is to go on the website because everything is, is, is listed there, all, all the, the road closures, all the car parks uh, that are open, the times and all that. Um, and and there's, a, there's um, you know, early trains from, from Mallow and from Middleton. Uh, and also then and the bus times and everything are up on the website. So like in general, um, most of the roads close from half seven. Like Patrick Street itself closes from five. But... Um, like I suppose the best thing is to go on the website um, for each particular road, you know. But in, in general, it, it's the road closure starts from um, half seven, with the exception of Patrick Street. Oh, it's going to be an amazing event, and I mean, I think it's five years since we had a June bank holiday with such beautiful weather as well. So, thanks very much for that, Eamon, and good luck on Sunday to you and to all of the participants. Have a, have a great marathon. Thanks a million, Gareth, for having us on. We're really looking forward to it. Pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Eamon. Eamon Hayes, there, the uh, Cork City Marathon. Director, it's been a busy year, but it all culminates with a fantastic weekend. And we really couldn't ask for uh, for better weather. Just to let you know, in relation to sport today, Cork Primary School's Sports Day, Thursday, June 1st. That's today. It's taking place at MTU. It's underway at the moment. 5,000 young people from 300 Cork Primary Schools participating. And it'll continue until 5 o'clock this evening. So expect heavy traffic on all approach routes from... Well, now, and avoid the area, if possible, if you're not participating. And please cooperate with the Gardaí and stewards today. And uh, please only park in designated areas as well, OK? Thank you for that. Right, who has won our Frames ticket for tomorrow night? Uh, so many of you getting in touch with us. It's going to be an amazing night tomorrow night at the Marquee. And I've got Lorna on the line. Hi, Lorna. Hi, you, Gareth. How are you? I'm very, very well, thank you. There was no question to ask. There was just frames that's all we asked you to put in and you have just won yourself tickets so to see excited. the tour okay <laughs> thank you so much You're i just welcome. can't wait i actually said to my husband a while ago it's my last chance today to win tickets for the frames yeah so i'm so excited i love them i'm delighted i was you, but you're not going to bring him now no i'm not going to bring him it'd be wasted on him he said he wasn't a fan but he's minding the boys tomorrow night. He doesn't right. know that yet, and right. I'm going to ask my cousin Ellen to come with me. All right. Okay, what sort of music does he like, by the way? Uh, Meatloaf ah. and Metallica. Ah, he should yeah. be at the Harley-Davidson weekend this weekend. 
yeah. Well, I don't mind now. I'll get my weekend. So Great. thank you so much. I can't wait. When did you fall in love with the frames? I'm trying to think oh. of what year it was. Would it have been 2003? Oh, oh, it's a long time ago. I know I saw them in Lep, down in Lep, at that small music venue millions of years ago, and I just loved them. I think probably from the commitments, I loved Glyn. Um, And then ever since then, I've just been a huge fan. Yeah, yeah. What's your favourite song? I think it is um, When Your Mind's Made Up from the album Once. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, oh, I love Fitzcarraldo as well. Yeah. Well, look, have a great night, you and uh, your cousin, is it? Yeah, my cousin Ellen, so she doesn't know, so if she's listening, Ellen, we've got a date tomorrow night. Yeah, okay, <laughs> and um, obviously, with the weather as well, it's going to be a beautiful night. So. Oh, it's going to be yeah. fabulous. Great. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Lorna. Thanks a million, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Bye. now. Lorna Glennon there from Killa. Massive Frames fan and her husband, um, he's a massive meatloaf fan. <laughs> Fair play. Didn't get your name. But uh, just put on a bit of meatloaf and the kids are going to bed tomorrow night and just rock that house. Special hello to uh, Avian Scully. I mentioned Avian earlier, but I don't think they heard the request, so a quick repeat of it. She's taking part in the Cork City Sports Day today from her mum and dad and sister Cara. And that came in from her dad, uh, Roy Scully, well-known DJ around town as well and um, we'll have more tickets I think there's another couple of tickets to give away tomorrow today's show was edited by Emer O'Hay produced and researched by Fergal Barry and thank you to Wayne on the desk as always we're back in the morning with you at 9 o'clock Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy so I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy Terms and conditions apply see site for details Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.